0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Well, uh, last weekend we took a break from our uh, Right on the Money series uh, to hear from a guest speaker, his name is uh, was, is still, uh, Ted Vail, Tells, Ted serves as the... Uh, Director of Foursquare Missions International. Uh, What a great message, what a great communicator he is. And Ted uh, really inspired us and and challenged us by giving us uh, both a global and a cultural perspective on sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the whosoevers that we come in contact with in our everyday life. Uh, And we come in with in contact with many of them. Right. So he gave us a new perspective on that this weekend, as we bring the right on the money series to a conclusion, um, our focus is on the spiritual discipline, the practice of tithing. Uh, But I want you to hear this. Uh, While we will uh, focus on the practice of tithing, I want to approach the message uh, in a very similar way that I did just two weekends ago. Uh, It was the second message in this series when we talked about debt. And what I did that day is I took the message about money and debt and I placed it, I cradled it in a larger message. And the intent for doing that, the purpose for doing that was to help us uh, gain the broader perspective of how God wants us to have more of him, not only in our finances, but in every area of our lives. Uh, We looked at Ephesians chapter 1 and we uh, uh, walked through the accounting that Paul gives in that chapter of the spiritual wealth that we've been given through Jesus Christ. And we talked about how the fact that God wants us to experience more of him, to take that spiritual wealth and see it activated in every area of our lives, our marriages, our singleness, our families our relationships, our careers, our education, our worship, and also our money, but not limited to our money. That's not the primary focus, but it's more of God in every part of our lives. I want to do something very similar today. I want to take this final message uh, with the focus on tithing, and I, again, want to place it, uh, I want to cradle it in a larger message. Uh, And the reason I do that is because um, it's more than just about writing a check every week. To the church or giving back to God. God is not just after your money, but God is asking that we give ourselves to him. That's the plea. God is saying, would you offer yourselves completely to me? Um, I'm reminded of the story that Ted told last week. He talked about as being a young single man um, being at church one Sunday, and it was during the offering time and that as the offering plate was coming near him, he, uh, he had a dilemma. He was trying to decide what he was going to place in the offering that day. Um, and as a young single man, he said he knew he had a 25 and a 1 in his pocket. Uh, the, 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 the dilemma was he was also, what he gave in the offering was dependent on where he was going to go for lunch that day. Uh, was he going to go to Wendy's or was he going to go to somewhere nicer? And he said that um, as the plate was coming near him, he heard God very vividly speak to him and say, Ted, why don't you just place yourself in the altar plate. Why why don't you just place yourself in the offering plate? And uh, Ted's a bit of a comedic. I don't know if you caught that last weekend, but he's responsible, so that would be awkward. What would people think? Uh, But he said what he really knew is that God was saying, Ted, Would you be willing, it's not just about your money, but would you be willing to give all of yourself? I'm asking for you to make yourself an offering to me uh, above and beyond your money. And it's with that uh, in mind, that story in mind, that I'm going to ask you right now, if you'll turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Some of you may be swiping there. Some of you may be turning there. uh, But ever how you can get there, please do. We're just going to look at one verse uh, in this uh, right now, uh, because it is full and it is rich, and um, it's very uh, connected to the story I just told uh, about Ted. Um, not that uh, we're going to read that God is asking us to step into the offering plate, but what we will find is that God is asking us to to give ourselves to Him, to surrender to Him. So I'm going to read the verse, and then it's so full. I'm going to take just a few minutes, and I'm going to unpack it a little bit. Uh, and and then I'm going to transition into this message. So it's going to be a few minutes before I get here. Don't panic, and remember the answers are on the back if I don't get to it all. Um, But we will get there. And then let me tell you how I'm going to end. Um, I want to share. I'm going to take just the last few minutes, uh, and I want to share with you uh, our personal tithing journey uh, uh, and and a gap that happened of of about four and a half years and what we experienced in that time. So let me read the passage to you. Uh, Verse 1 says, Therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Um, what is it Paul is saying in these verses? What is it he's uh, challenging us to do? What's actually, I guess the question, what, what's inside this verse, this one verse? Um, And I think we have to begin by saying, noting the first word. Paul begins with the word, therefore. And you've probably heard this before, but uh, uh, whenever we're studying Scripture, uh, when you come across the word, therefore, the best practice is to simply stop Thinking about that word, therefore, ask the question, what is it therefore? Because it's always there for a reason. Therefore, in Scripture, is always referring us back to something that's already been written, spoken, something that's been revealed by the Holy Spirit. So we ask, uh, therefore, Paul begins with therefore. What is that therefore, therefore? And it's pointing us back. It's pointing us back. In this case, Paul says, therefore. Uh, In view of God's mercies, I urge you. And so that therefore is pointing us back to the mercies of God. If we were to do a survey this morning, we don't have time, uh, but if we were to do a survey of the first 11 chapters of Romans, we would find that those 11 chapters are filled with the rich doctrines and theology of God. And in that, each one of those uh, reveal the rich mercy of God. They reveal God's loving compassion for us. They reveal God's loving kindness to us. Uh, They're rich. They're rich in God's mercy. Um, Again, we don't have time to survey it, but uh, I can pull out some of those mercies for you that we can celebrate. When you look back to the first 11 chapters, we find things like, uh, Paul tells us, we are justified. That's pretty incredible if you think about it. In other words, not that we deserved it, but in God's mercy, we have been placed in right standing before God. uh, Justified, being made as, as if we had never sinned because of the work of Jesus Christ, because of the shed blood. We're now positionally right in relationship with him. Sin no longer separates us from God. Um, uh, with that, uh, we learn in those first 11 chapters that we've met, now been made dead to sin because we're alive to Christ. In other words, because of the work of Christ, Christ living in us, sin, the sin nature has to die, it's put at bay. Now, let me tell you, it's always out there shouting at us, uh, wanting us to, to give in to the temptation. But Scripture very clearly says we are dead to sin because we are alive to Christ. We've been made alive in and through Christ. Christ. Um, again, as we saw in, um, e- Ephesians chapter one, uh, a couple of weeks ago that we've been adopted into God's family. Um, we also learn in the first 11 chapters that we no longer live under the law, but we live under grace. Aren't you glad for that? Don't, aren't you glad that God's, uh, relationship with God is not based on some kind of legalism, but instead in God's grace, In God's mercy, He's made a way for us. We live as uh, subjects of grace. Um, It goes on to say that we have the Holy Spirit residing within us. The Spirit of the living God is living in us, empowering us to overcome sin and death because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. It says that we have peace. And reconciliation with God because uh, of uh, originally in our sin nature before Christ, we were separated from God because of our sin. But now through the work of Christ, when we come into relationship with God through Jesus, we by faith, we're placed positionally and now we're at peace instead of being at enmity with God. We have peace within because we've been reconciled to our Father. And then I love this last one. Uh, in Romans, we learned that there is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad that we don't live under condemnation? It's, it, it, that, that the God who created the universe, uh, the holy God that even in our own um, tendency, inclination to sin, that there's no condemnation when we fail, when we blow it. But He still loves us in His grace. He loves us in His mercy. He accepts us. There is no condemnation. And what that has to tell us too is oftentimes we, uh, we feel like uh, we live under condemnation. We assume that God is condemning us when He's not. But the self-condemnation can be so heavy on us. And so because we're not in condemnation, because of Jesus Christ. We don't have to live in self-condemnation because we've been set free. We're alive in Christ. Aren't you glad this morning that God is rich in mercy? Aren't you glad that God did not give us what we deserve? Aren't you glad that God loved us so much that He made a way despite our sinful inclinations? So, the first 11 chapters, we've said, are filled with uh, rich, with theology and... And and um, doctrine, but as Paul writes, when he comes to chapter twelve, uh, there's a there's a it's pivotal. There's a change in, in what he does. So he's been dealing with the doctrines, the theology of God. And here's what I want to say: you can study the Word, and you can be your head can be filled with theology, but if you can't put it to work in your daily life, it's not worth anything. That might seem a little harsh. But you can't. If you can't put it to work, it's not of any value. And so what Paul does is he moves from doctrine, he moves from theology, and he moves into the practical realm of this is how you put this to work in your life every day. This is how you make the doctrines of God work. This is how you make the theology of God work. This is what you do to live it out. So how does he go about that? What's his approach? Well, he says, Therefore, in view of God's mercy... I urge you. And we're going to stop again. We're just going to talk about that word briefly, urge. It's a very important word. Um, Paul, uh, is what he's saying, it comes with very strong meaning. When we think about the word urge, Paul's not just saying, um, uh, hey, if you get a chance, uh, stop in and listen to something I have to say. But he's actually saying, um, I, I urge you. Uh, He's saying, I I am asking uh, that you come alongside me. I I lovingly want to tell you a message, but the message carries great importance. It's like he's saying, uh, literally the word means I appeal to you or I exhort you, but it's even stronger than that. Paul is saying, I I urge you, I I am pleading with you. I am begging you to come alongside me and hear this message because this message is necessary for how you're going to live out your life on a daily basis. I'm begging, I'm pleading. And what is it he's begging that he's pleading for us to do? And very simply, he's saying, would you present yourselves to God? He's not even asking the question. He's saying, present yourselves to God. Um, when we think about what Paul is asking, and really what God is asking, that we would present ourselves to God, it's a picture of surrender. It, it, it really is. It's the picture of this to say, God, I I, I surrender to you. Um, really, it's a message in lordship, which we could have a whole other message on, but it's about giving God complete control. It's about... Um, Uh, Surrender, it's about placing ourselves fully at God's disposal. It's about uh, releasing control. It's about releasing our grip. That's kind of hard to do sometimes, isn't it? it? Don't you like to have a grip on life? I mean, we say, get a grip on it. That's not what God's saying. He's saying, would you release the grip that you have? Would you allow me control? And when we release the grip, we release it in such a way that it's not, I'm releasing, but I'm keeping my hands close by so that I can take it back if I don't feel like you're handling it very well. He's saying, release yourself. Release your grip. Would you give everything to me? Present yourselves to me. And what is it he's really asking? He says, "Um, present your bodies. And when he says, present your bodies, he's saying, I mean every part. I mean every part of you. He's not just saying, present your money, present your tithe check, present your offering, present your time. But he's saying, present your body, present every part of of You leave nothing out. Give him your first, not your last. Give him your best, not your leftovers. Give him everything. That is what God is calling us to, is that we would be a people so surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ that we say, God, this is not always easy for me, but I'm releasing my grip and I offer myself to you. I am surrendering to you. I place myself fully as at your disposal." It's very important that we understand that what we do with our bodies is as much a part of our spiritual life as what we do when we have our devotional time in the morning or in the evening. And it's, it's just as important, if not more important, than what we do with our time. And it's just as or more important than what we do with our finances. Because, again, as we're talking about tithing, God's not just asking for your money. He doesn't need your money. But he's saying, would you give yourself, would you give all all of yourself to me and how is it that we're to present our bodies he said present your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing living sacrifices holy and pleasing Uh, the old testament worshiper took animals to the temple to be killed and then placed on the altar that's not what paul's asking of us He's not saying bring yourself as a dead sacrifice. But instead he's saying, you've been made alive through Jesus Christ. You have life in you. You have life eternal. And you bring yourself in a celebration of that life because you are dead to sin. And you place yourself at my disposal. You offer yourself because you are alive in Christ. We're not offering the dead part of us, but we're offering the part that's been reconciled, that's been redeemed, that's been restored through the power of Jesus Christ. That's exciting to me. I just have to say that is so exciting that we don't have to drag ourselves to the altar, but we can come to the altar with full expectation because the Spirit of the living God is in us and He has made us alive. He set us free. So he says, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, holy and pleasing to God. Um, when we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, it's not about perfection. It's not that we're saying, God, I'm going to get my acts perfect as I give myself. Because that let's face it, that's not possible because the sin nature is still, it's still shouting out at us. But instead, we're saying, God... I, I I'm coming to you. I present myself to you, my whole self, my whole being. Um, I, I'm going to place it as a living sacrifice. On the altar, I'm, I'm letting go of the grip. And in doing so, I understand that I am dead to sin and that I'm alive to Christ. And therefore, because of that, because you've made me alive in holiness, in, a, in an act of holiness, I'm going to separate myself from my own selfish ambition I'm going to separate myself from my own selfish desire. I'm going to separate myself from a mindset that has been dictated by the world around me that actually opposes the holiness of God. And... Really, there's no contest with it, right? I mean, if you you just read the paper, watch the news, whatever, you could see that the world around us opposes the holiness of God. Just with some of the things that have happened just in the past two weeks, we see that the world opposes anything that's holy and pleasing to God. But we're saying, I'm not going to function by a mindset that's dictated by the world, but instead, I'm coming into alignment with who you are. I'm giving myself to you. And as I give myself to you, you're going to work all of these things out in me by the power of your spirit. We're trusting that God's going to do that. You see, this is again why I could say it's not just about money. Because here's what I'm convinced of. Um, when we are able to embrace what it really means to sacrifice ourselves, give ourselves as living sacrifices, when we embrace that lordship of Jesus Christ, where we say, and I know we don't really use the word Lord today. Like Kimmy doesn't come home and say, what can I do for you today, my Lord? I hope she, she just agrees I'm not going to either. <laughs> <laughs> and so I know that that language can be kind of foreign sometimes. But what, what that's really about is who am I going to give control of my life to? Who, who, who am I going to offer control in my life to? And, and I, I know that when we, when we say, God, I give you control, things like our money, they, they just come into alignment. They, they just begin to line up. So, we've looked at Romans 12, 1. We know that God is offering us, asking us to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Um, that living sacrifice has to be something daily. It's not a one-time occurrence. It it doesn't just happen at salvation, but it happens on a daily basis. And so what if every day when we rolled out of bed, we were to pray to God a prayer that offered him ourselves as a living sacrifice? What if it were something like this? What shall I give to Christ today? To him who gave himself for me. I'll give to him my life, my love for time and for eternity. What if every morning we prayed some kind of prayer? The first thing we did is God I'm giving myself to you. I offer myself to you because of what you've done for me. Um, I shared this in the last service. Um, I try in the mornings when I wake up to say, God, would you help me order my day? And I found that when I give God my day, my day goes much better. When I don't give God my day, stuff comes up. And stuff comes up even when I give my day to God, but God helps me navigate through it in a different way. So we give ourselves to God. So how does all of this apply to tithing? How does all of this apply to our money? How, how does being a living sacrifice apply to our money? Well, again, I believe when we get the living sacrifice part, everything begins to line up. Uh, but what I want to do in just the last few minutes is um, I want to walk you through briefly just five biblical truths that will help us uh, understand the principle of the tithe better. And maybe the best place to start before I give you those truths is just to define when we talk about the tithe, what are we talking about? Uh, in Hebrew, the word means uh, a tenth part. And it always refers to the first part. So when we talk about uh, tithing, we're talking about giving the first part of our income a tenth to God. That's, that's simply what it means. Um, in Malachi chapter 3... Uh, we find uh, where God says that uh, we are to uh, offer the tithe as a sacrifice to him. Uh, in fact, he says in Malachi chapter 3, uh, test me in this. And it's the only place in scripture where God says to test him on anything. And he's not asking us to test him because, we, uh, because he needs our money, but he's asking, are you willing to give all of yourself, including your finances. Um, uh, Jesus uh, affirms the tithe uh, in Matthew twenty three twenty three, where he says not to neglect the tithe. Um, so let me say this before I walk into these these five truths. Um, oftentimes we can struggle with the whole principle of the tithe. Maybe you're here today and it's like I really I don't want to hear this. I, I don't want to hear this. I it guess it's too late for that, right? Um, and sometimes we struggle because we have things like, I, I just can't afford it. I can't afford to tithe. I've been there. I understand that. And sometimes it's more, my debt is overwhelming. I'm so in debt, I can't tithe. And that's kind of a matter of not being able to afford it. And sometimes it's because a husband and wife just aren't in agreement, so it causes con- contention in the home. Here's what I want to say to you today. Uh, you, I want you to hear this from me. If you are here and somehow you struggle with this aspect of money, you struggle with a tithe, I want you to hear this message for me is not a message of condemnation. Here's what I love uh, about my role. I have no idea who gives, what they give, and I don't want to know. That's just not part of, of, of my portfolio. I never, I never see the offering. I never will see the offering. I don't want to see the offering, and I will never build a relationship on that. I, I never will. My heart, my desire is that we, as a people, experience more of God. And I believe that there's a great uh, uh, ability to experience more of God as we offer our finances to him. But I'm not condemning anyone who may not tithe, because I don't know if you do or not, and I don't want to know. So with that, let me just walk you through these um, five truths. It's going to be really quick, and then I'm going to share our personal story. Why do we honor God with a tithe? Why should we honor God with a tithe? Truth number one, tithing is a statement of priority. Tithing is a statement of priority. As living sacrifices, we recognize God as our provider and honor him by giving him back the first portion, a tenth of our income. Actually, it's all his income anyway. Truth number two, tithing is an act of trust and faith. Trust and faith. Tithing really isn't a money issue. Tithing is a trust issue. Think about it. It's it's about trusting God. God, if I give you the first portion, I'm trusting you that you're still going to continue to supply out of my all of my needs. Truth number three tithing is an act of obedience. Again, not only do we find it in the Old Testament, Malachi for one of those, but we also find it in the New Testament. I reference it Matthew 23:23. 23, 23, Jesus says, "Not to neglect the tithe." Truth number 4. Tithing is an act of worship. Tithing, when we tithe, when we give back to God, it expresses our gratitude. We're recognizing, God, everything I have comes from you. It actually belongs to you. You called me to be a steward of it, and now I'm so thankful for that, and I'm I'm with a cheerful heart giving you back the first portion. And then finally, tithing opens our lives to God's blessing and protection. Tithing opens up our lives to God's blessing and protection. And it's with that that I want to just take the last few minutes and I want to share just our personal tithing story. Um, Cammie and I have been married almost 35 years. In fact, uh, Easter this year is our anniversary, April 21st. Um, We'll be married for 35 years. And uh, uh, when we married, we were a tithing couple. We, We began to practice the principle of the tithe. Uh, about three years into our marriage, we had a sense. We were living here in North Carolina. I was actually on staff at Grace Covenant. It was when it was just Cornelius Foursquare, number one, number one. And um, we heard God speak to us about moving to the West Coast. And we had great faith to believe him to do that. And so we, um, we had a nine-month-old and uh, little, uh, only a, very little money. We had saved a little. Uh, and very little possessions and in faith we moved across the country and we had no idea what we were going to It's not like we had a great job We were going to we literally moved in faith believing that we were going to honor God He asked us to go and when we got there he would take care of us and he did um, As we were making that move it's interesting. There were two things. I told Tammy. Uh though we had great faith to believe him, to move across the country with almost no money, no job, and a nine-month-old, um, I told her uh, two non-faith statements. Um, real estate is very expensive in California, so we'll never own a house, and uh, we're not going to be able to afford to tithe. Isn't it amazing that we have this great faith to move all the way across the country, but not enough faith to trust God with our finances? And so we that's what we did. Uh, we moved and we made the decision together uh, that we wouldn't tithe and we went through a four and a half year period we had been a tithing couple and we literally went through about a four and a half year period, uh, uh, period of time where we gave absolutely nothing you could probably have uh, considered us to be the most stingy people in the world in relation to giving back to God we gave nothing um, here's what I want to say in that God was still faithful to us in that four and a half years I had this concept that don't know if we don 't tithe we 're going to be sick all the time and and god's going to turn his back on us and we're going to he 's just going to kind of beat us up with a club and that never happened. God never said in that four and a half year period, i don't want anything to do with Stanley Cammie Wilson because they don 't tithe I, I don't even think God operates that way. Uh, And God continued to take care of us. He met our needs during that time. But what we understood, what we came to understand at the end of four and a half years is there was something that was missing in our life, and it was a spiritual dynamic. And so the Holy Spirit began to speak to us uh, about beginning to work towards the tithe. Notice I didn't say to just start tithing, but begin to work towards the tithe. We had read a book some years earlier, and the book has a great title. It's called It Only Hurts Between Paydays. Isn't that great? And um, in that book, uh, it was a Christian book, and it talked about um, that oftentimes you can't just start tithing, but you can begin to work towards it. And so we we started that process. The first thing we did is we just said, we're going to give something. And I remember writing the very first check. Um, In the grand scheme of things, it wasn't very large, but it seemed really big to us. It wasn't a tithe, though. It was just an, an offering. And I remember placing it in the offering at the church we were going to and having such great excitement and great anticipation. And from that point, we just started a process of working ourselves up to a tithe. And one of the things we did is every time we retired a debt, instead of saying, oh, we got more money to get more in debt with, we, um, we, just, we actually just converted that over to the tithe. And we kept doing that and we kept doing that until we were reaching the tithe and, and funneling other monies that way to re- redistributing. Um... When we started doing that, it's not like our bank accounts were suddenly just over flooded. I think sometimes we have this concept, or can, if you tithe, you're going to be richer than you know what to do. That did not happen. Still has not happened to this day. But something even greater happened. We saw God bless us with his blessing and provision in a spiritual realm. There was something that opened up in our hearts, because here's what we did. We said, God, we're willing to place all of ourselves on the altar. Because what we had been doing is we were placing some of ourselves on the altar. Somebody told me this morning, you know the problem with living sacrifices is they keep getting up off the altar. And we kept doing that with the tithe. Well, we didn't keep doing it. We just did it for four and a half years. But we, um, we began to see God open up things in the spiritual realm. For instance, I had had a really tough relationship with my parents. And suddenly I was able to forgive them. And it wasn 't about the money that we were giving, but it 's because I had offered myself fully to God, so there was something that was changing in, in our in our in our hearts. Um, we began to see things in ministry open up to us, uh, that we entered into a really a brand new realm of ministry. Uh, being God, used of God in, in a different way and with a different kind of anointing because we were offering not our not our check, but we were offering our self-stem completely. We had taken our grip off. We were trusting him completely with our finances. It was during that time Cammie had a very um, well-paying job as a as a paralegal legal secretary uh, at, a, at a high-end law firm, and God opened up the door for her to walk away from that uh, really to a lesser, much lesser amount of money but he still was meeting our needs and so it brought her home as a, a stay at home mom and she began to just do a, a paralegal business out of her home so those are just some of the things I'm saying that it wasn't about the money it was about what God was doing in our heart because we were releasing the grip and giving full control to him and this morning that's what I want you to hear I'm not teaching you a, money, a, a message about money That's between you and God. The Holy Spirit has to work that out in you. But what I do want to see happen, what we want to see happen, is that you experience more and more and more and more of God in every area of your lives and that it flow over into your marriages or your singleness or your families, your relationships, your education, your career and into the realm of your money. That God would begin to bless you, but much more than in the realm of money. But that He would open up spiritual doors for you like you've never experienced before. Do you want that to happen? Okay, you can do it. I want you to stand, and I want to pray that over us this morning. (sighs) Father God, again, we thank You for Your presence in this place this morning. We thank You for Your Word. Father God, this morning we make a declaration together that we present ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. We offer ourselves to you this morning. We release our grip and we ask that in doing so that we can experience more and more and more and more of you and that the places that where we've held on tightly, we would release even in our finances that we would offer to you all of us and we would allow you to have control of our finances. We believe it's all going to come into alignment. Father God, I pray that blessing over this people and I ask that in Jesus' name we continue to experience more of you. And everyone who was in agreement said, Amen, Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.